Welcome to Manager Tools. Today we conclude our conversation on owning the inputs. Before we go on, quick reminder, on January 26th and 27th, we'll be in London, England for the Effective Manager Conference and Effective Communications Conference. So if you're across the pond and interested in joining us for a full day on effective management or full day of effective communications, please check out the details on the website, www.managertools.com. All right, here we go with today's show. So last week we talked about, you know, when somebody misses a deadline, the first thing you do is give them negative feedback about missing the deadline. Regardless of whether you've had, you've gone down these rabbit trails in the past, it doesn't matter what's gone before. They miss a deadline, you give them negative feedback. Simple, six seconds. I think it was 22 words, the example you gave. Yeah, yeah. And then they push back. And we're not going to be surprised because... The more we focus on the behavior, which is absolutely the right thing to do, the more they're going to attempt to implicate others. It just happens. And so don't be surprised. Expect it. And so now they push back. We're not surprised. How are we going to handle it? Yeah, the the pushback again. We're you know they're pushing back. They're 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 dropping Jane into the grease and saying, "Well, you don't understand. It's Jane, right?" When one of our direct responds by implicating somebody else, a la our Chuck and Jane analogy here. It's time to make clear to them the law of owning the inputs. Okay, it's the law of owning the inputs. Now, before we do that, just just to be clear, note we said when one of our directs responds to our feedback by implicating someone. That's why we started with delivering feedback first. It was the first part of this cast. It was our first step. That's important. We don't recommend you just inform anyone that they own the inputs of their tasks. If you've spent a bunch of time trying to understand Jane's role, you've been having this discussion with Chuck off and on on various deliverables over time, right? If you spend a bunch of time trying to understand Jane's role or Chuck's efforts with Jane or some of Jane's inputs, you've been sending a message that your focus might not be on Chuck. You've been suggesting that you might help Chuck with these challenging inputs to his deliverable that he's not meeting, right? That is not helping Chuck learn that he owns the inputs, okay? How could he learn that he owns the inputs when you're helping him solve the inputs problem he has, okay? So we give the feedback knowing there's going to be a little bit of pushback. It won't be really, really bad. Uh, And I think a lot of managers try to find, I want to be a manager without any pushback. Well, you can do that. You just can't be an effective manager without any pushback. Right? So Chuck pushes back. He throws Jane under the bus. He mentions a lack of support from Richard or whatever. Now we give him feedback about that. And here's how it sounds. Okay. So Mike, you can play Chuck. Okay. Um, Chuck, can I give you some feedback? Sure, boss. When you mention Jane and Richard, when you're talking, when we're talking about your deliverables, it makes me think you don't realize that you're not just responsible for the deliverable to me. You're also responsible for the inputs to your deliverables. What can you do differently? Wow. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. I guess I can work with Jane and Richard a little earlier and making sure they get me what they need, I guess. Yeah, that's great. And if you need help earlier before the deadline, I'll be happy to help. Good. Great. Glad to hear it. We're done here. Right? Now, now look, we know we're using the feedback model to let somebody know about a fundamental 
managerial or organizational principle. I mean, really, folks, think about it. Have you ever been given work and you immediately created in your mind a series of tasks, which relied on one, two, five, six, seven, eight, ten people? And then the moment you did that, immediately thought, oh, I'm off the hook for 60% of this work because other people are involved. No, intuitively, everyone understands the law of owning the inputs, which is when you have a, a, a deliverables list of six things which require input from five other people, you're responsible for getting the inputs in order to allow you to meet your deliverable. You don't get to fob off responsibility to everybody else to the percentage of the, uh, of the project that is their work. You just don't get to do that. So we know we're using the feedback model to teach this this theory, this concept of owning the inputs. But w- what we found is it's better than thinking we need to teach the theory as if it's its own subject. And this technique, by the way, of delivering the theory within something else is actually pulled from the sales world. It's called teach as if teach not. And what we're doing here is rather than being pedantic, rather than teaching, we're just sharing the idea of owning the inputs within the larger context of their work. We know of very few reasonable professionals who wouldn't agree, wouldn't agree at some level with the whole intent of owning the inputs. So, so it's an easy way to introduce it. If they want to have a discussion with you about owning the inputs, you just tell them what I just said, which is, I mean, really, when you take a deliverable from me, when we agree on things and you know that it requires other people's work, do you immediately say, therefore, you're not responsible? Or do you immediately say, oh, I've got to figure out how to get my work from Jane and Richard, right? Yeah, this, this is interesting because this is – you know, fairly fundamental organizational principle that yep. a lot of us understand. But I don't know when I learned it, and I can't remember anybody ever, frankly, telling me this. I think it's right. one of these things we just figure it out. But I, this is the first time I've, I've really heard it said out loud. But think about it, though, right? You you kind of knew it, but nobody said it out loud. I'll tell you, for directs, and that includes everybody who's listening, I'm assuming, unless they're CEOs or business owners, for directs, if it's not been said out loud, if it's not been made clear, even though they inherently believe it to be true when they accept a deliverable, as long as their boss spends time working with them on all the other people who owed them inputs and didn't get it to them, the boss is sending a message, the law of owning inputs doesn't really apply here, when in fact it does. And I think it's it's managerial behavior that causes people, as we've said before, to tend to spend more time being willing to throw other people under the bus. Yeah, and you're right. Nobody's talked about it this way. And it's frustrating. This is an, another one of those examples of managerial knowledge that don't seem to get passed on and it frustrates us. And we wish we had more help. Management thinking that's actionable, unfortunately, is a vast wasteland. And we're willing to say it because we know it's true and you know it's true. And folks, if you're responsible for deliverable, you're responsible for the inputs necessary for your deliverable. That is called owning the inputs. And it's a fundamental truism. And we have to behave that way in our managerial behavior. Otherwise, if it's never been said to our directs, our directs don't inher- may not inherently know it. Or if they know it inherently but get away with avoiding it, they'll begin to behave as if it's not really true when, in fact, it is. Good. Now, we know it's true, but... Regardless, what do we do if one of our directs comes back and just says they simply don't agree? Yeah. They don't think they they don't think they ought to be held accountable for others' failings, right? For their for other people's work, right. it's their problem that they can't get their work done, not mine. Yeah, a cu- couple of then? yeah, it's it's yeah, that's normal, right? If somebody's really feels like they've dug a hole, you know, they'll, they'll keep digging, right? So, two recommendations. The first one and the best one is to simply restate the feedback a little bit differently. 
So when you push back, I say, hey, well, regardless, when you miss a deliverable and then mention someone else's failure, it makes me think you don't know you're responsible for the inputs of your work. What are you going to do differently? Right. And you basically, we're, we're simply talking about feedback one on one here, uh, where we stay focused on the direct's behavior rather than on the myriad things that they may want to talk about. That introduces a bit of tension in the conversation, doesn't it? Yeah. Look, it, look folks, I mean, I'm, I'm, I alluded to this before. Ho- hopefully, everyone understands this. You're not willing to introduce tension into a conversation about a failed deliverable of one, from one of your directs. You're missing an important willingness, an important gene, if you will, that's necessary to become an effective manager. If you're looking for a job where you can avoid conflict, management is not for you. And by the way, looking, having a job at the beach is not one that will get you to avoid conflict, right? There, there, there's no such thing as a job that avoids conflict. Well, of course, here all we're doing is focusing on the direct and his responsibilities. And frankly, you know, if he squirms a little bit, well... Hopefully, he's already squirming because he missed a deadline, right? <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Not, not because of the feedback. Yeah, so again, what we'd say, hey, regardless, you know, regardless of whether you agree or disagree about owning the inputs, right, when you miss a deliverable and then you mention somebody else's failure, it makes me think you don't know that I hold you responsible for the inputs to your work. Chuck, what are you going to do differently? And I'm going to make that point. I'm going to hold, I'm, I, I'm going to say I'm not going to be taken off my focus of holding my directs accountable for their behavior and and the results of their behavior, which are deliverables on time. You know, if I'm a fastball pitcher and I'm in a pinch, I'm going to throw a fastball. If I'm a manager who gets things done, I have to hold people accountable. If the, if every manager in the organization lets every person off of every hook of every deliverable, the company's going to fail in the long run. Somebody's got to do it. And I would argue that there are some really, really forceful, mean-spirited, um, overly dominating managers that probably are, are tolerated simply because so many other managers don't hold people's feet to the fire. Now, the problem is, is that what we focus on is the fiery delivery and the, and the, the, um, the lack of, of credible human interaction and the, the viciousness with which they speak to people, fine. But there's nothing wrong with being sweet as pie and saying, I still have your feet and they're next to the fire. Is that your skin I smell burning? But, you know, pardon me. But, <laughs> but I mean, look, I'm not going to let you go. You're accountable and you missed it. Okay. I love you and you missed it. Right. So our second recommendation is, is a set of phrases that might help Chuck understand what we're doing and why. We're going to suggest them. And the reason we suggest these folks is because when Mike and I do role plays at conferences, people love them. We do these long role plays where, where they see me be totally relaxed and comfortable and they're like, wow, I wish I could write that down or whatever. And, and so we've come up with some phrases that they tend to like that people say, wow, I wish I'd have thought of that before. Well, it's easier if you've done it 50,000 times like we have. We don't expect you to know it, but here are some phrases that you might use that might soften the blow that might happen after the feedback if you allow yourself to be drawn into a conversation, which really you ought not to. But if you do, we understand you might. So here are some phrases that might be help, helpful. Okay, now we've given feedback about the missing the deadline. They threw Jane under the bus or dropped Jane into the grease. So now we've given them feedback about owning the inputs and still Chuck wants to push back. And we recommend you stay on message. He didn't do what he was supposed to do, which is to say deliverable. So deliverable. So what is how is he going to change? So first for here are some things you can say. Number one, Chuck, when you're responsible for something, by definition, I just want you to know you're responsible for anybody else's work you need to get it done. And just say it as a statement of fact. All we're doing is restating the fundamental principle. 
You could also say, this is a basic principle of work. Oh, I like that one. People don't tend to argue with basic principles, right? Right. Look, the reason we say that is because you say, well, I disagree. I, well, okay. Maybe we're relying a little bit on our role power, but I think if we deliver it softly and say, Chuck, unfortunately, this is a basic principle of work. Uh, as you say, people don't tend to argue with those basic principles. Now, uh, then you, go, you can go a step further. Hey, Chuck, when I agree to something, my boss assumes that I will handle the issues that come up. And in a way, this puts me in the same boat as my direct. And many directs don't see their bosses as being a direct themselves, of course, to the higher level boss. Another phrase that really surprises people, Chuck, this is what collaboration means. It's funny, people talk about collaboration kind of in this generic, happy, happy sense. In fact, it's in all kinds of ads for companies. We're a collaborative company. But, you know, it's, it sounds nice in theory, but what it means is we're all tied to one another. And when your boat starts sinking, so does mine. And when you start sinking my boat, I, I don't like it, but I ought to help you try to keep yours afloat as well. You could also say, hey, Chuck, when Jane blames you for something, I stay focused on her. And it's only fair I do the same here. Right? I don't let Jane blame you for the stuff Jane owes me because I don't know what you did or didn't do or what Jane said or didn't say. And I'm not going to play... Um, I'm not going to play cop and try to figure all that out. The idea being is that, you know, we want Chuck to understand if he throws somebody else under the bus, by definition, it puts them at risk when they're the one thrown under the bus by somebody else. You could also say, yeah, Chuck, this is an important managerial lesson for you. You've got to be able to persuade others to get work done, even when you don't have role power. It's something I rely on you to do, right? And, and you use this when you have somebody who might be interested in a managerial future or a career. If Chuck is ever a manager, throwing somebody else under the bus is a gross political faux pas in managerial and executive ranks. By God, if, if your direct is a manager, you could reward it just slightly differently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. It's something else. I'll tell you, I've had a lot of people go, wow, I didn't know I could say that, but it's short and sweet. And here it is. I'm not here to talk about somebody else. I have to tell you, folks, that has a pretty good track record for me of shutting off discussion of other people. Look, and there's nothing wrong with delivering it politely. You deliver this with an edge, and what you're saying is, you're the one in the stocks. You're the one on the gallows. We're not doing that. We're just saying, hey, I'm not here to talk about anybody else. Let's talk about you. I'm not trying to hang you. I just want to talk about what you did and what you can do and how you can change things. We get a lot of comments from folks at conferences afterwards. So when you deliver that, because folks, I've actually described you as kind of serene and calm. And frankly, one person said, actually, you seem lackadaisical about the way you said Yeah. It. Yeah. They felt, they literally, I think what they were doing, don't you think they were, they felt that it was, it was somehow inappropriate conversationally or contextually to be so relaxed while delivering a comment that was, that had some weight, some heft to it. They believed it was just wrong. It was almost unethical. People think that negative feedback has to have an edge to it. Yeah, and it and just does not. Man, when you when you get past that, when you learn that lesson that you can smile and almost laugh when you're giving negative feedback and that it actually works, man, you're there. Yeah. I had a guy uh, send me an email recently. Uh, it's an old, old movie, but many of people know it, American movie called Top Gun starring Tom Cruise. And he said the moment he learned about the correct tone of feedback was he had been to a conference 
and he learned that we suggested you deliver it very casually, very relaxedly. And all these lines, you want, you don't want to hammer people. You just want to have a conversation with them. And those of you who've been to conferences, you know, I, you know, I put my hands in my pockets when I'm feeling like I might get a little bit irritated by, by chalk pushing back or whatever. And he said he remembered a bit in, in, in Top Gun where Tom Cruise did some incredible move and it was being dissected by, by the, the flight instructor. And they were in a room watching a video of his, his dogfight, I think. And a guy leaned down to Tom Cruise's character from a row behind him and very quietly whispered in Tom Cruise's ear, gutiest move I ever saw, man. And it was very quiet, but it was some of the highest praise Tom Cruise got in the whole movie in this testosterone-filled competition that they're going through. Uh, and it, it was just that kind of tone, that kind of almost offhand, you don't need to make a big deal, but wow, did it have impact. Um, that's what feedback can be. Yeah. Okay, so we need to talk about shot across the bow, and folks need to be prepared to use it here. And we're not going to go into a lot of detail because we have a whole other cast on. Right, right, sure, yeah. You want to touch on that real quick? Yeah. Um, some of your directs are going to feel very uncomfortable being account- held accountable, okay? <laughs> now, most of professionals are like, what? They're uncomfortable about it? Well, actually, nobody's uncomfortable about being held accountable for their work. People are only uncomfortable when they're being held accountable for work they didn't do. <laughs> Please hold me accountable for all the work I did do. <laughs> That's fine, right. right? Most managers handle this poorly, um, holding people accountable. And, and we, we've, unfortunately, as managers, we've led lots of directs to believe that they ought not to be held accountable if somebody else's work product might be involved in, in, and be blamed for their work. So some of your directs are going to feel put upon. They're going to be shocked, shocked <laughs> that you're not investigating the conspiracy that Jane has fomented against them, right? Now, look, if that happens to you, if you get a direct who won't let go of Jane's weakness or perfidy, then just walk away, okay? If they blame Jane, it's okay to use the shot across the bow theory and say, oh, okay, no worries. And now if that intrigues you, if you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're not going to give me this brilliant phrase that just nails it. It's I, I need I need the silver bullet phrase, Mark. And people ask me about that all the time. What's the one thing I can say? Well, my, my answer to the one thing you can always say is I love you, but that's a whole different story. What's the one silver bullet phrase I can use? And the fact is we don't need to say anything. Don't forget, we're not trying to create a perfect conversation. That's not the purpose of our opening our mouth. The purpose is to change their behavior. There is no sense in getting into a debate with them about Jane or Richard or anybody else. If you don't believe you can avoid it, walk away, shoot across their bow. And you need to listen to that podcast to understand what we mean by that. But it's one of my all-time favorites. And when you do it a few times and you get it, you're going to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe how many rabbit trails I've been led down by the nose by directs. And all along, I should have just let it go. Because look, we don't need to go into it, but simply put, you've put them on notice. You've told them, I know you were late. Next week, in their one-on-one, if they're still late or if they're late on something else, give them the same feedback. I mean, they're, they're still late, right? <laughs> when they express surprise, say, look, regardless of why you're late, you're late. And I hold you accountable for that, even if you hold somebody else accountable. And the point, point here of the shot across the bow feedback is you don't let their, feedback, their pushback cause you to feel you need to educate them in incredible detail or sit them down and be direct with them and, and force feed them. Stick with the feedback. If, in fact, they hear you, You don't engage in their rabbit trail with Jane, and then they change their behavior and they're on time next week. Does it really matter what you said or didn't say? No, 
the purpose of all of this is to change their behavior from being late to being on time. And if the behavior changes, you have been successful, whether you stood on your head in the corner in a pink tutu or whether you had the silver bullet phrase, it doesn't matter. Good. Now, I get all this, right? So right. Chuck comes in, blames somebody else. We give him feedback. We do we do the whole thing, right? But there are folks in organizations who regularly cause others to be late. Now, maybe Chuck's not talking about one of those people, but let's for a second, let's talk about, about that. About those the, the Jane, right? The, Jane, the yeah. Janes of the world who are always causing others to be late. We, we just can't avoid the fact that those do exist, right? Our friend Chuck is suddenly very happy we're going to talk about Jane, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's real and it happens. This isn't a side because we're no longer talking about Chuck, but this whole cast started about what do we do when Chuck tries to throw Jane under the bus for his failure to meet his deliverable. But suppose Chuck and Richard and Terry and Barbara and John and Bob and Robert all work for us and every single time the person thrown under the bus is Jane – Okay, now we do have a problem with Jane. So we want to pay attention who is being thrown under the bus, even though we don't go chasing after Jane every time she's thrown under the bus. It's not time to give her feedback yet, but it is time to pay attention to Jane's work and to see whether or not she's a team player. Maybe you could say there's a pattern, maybe not. You certainly don't want to just give her feedback based on what Chuck said or Robert said or, or Barbara or Richard said, right? It's time to start paying attention. And, and we'll suggest ways to do that in future casts, but paying attention will likely be enough because you'll quickly get a sense of, is everybody throwing her under the bus just because they don't like her? Uh, or is everybody throwing her under the bus because she's not doing her work well and is attempting to hide it from her? And there are people like that as well. We're not saying that Chuck is wrong to blame Jane. Jane may, in fact, not have done what she's supposed to do. That's not important when we're talking to Chuck, but we need to have a person, we need to have our own best self sitting on our shoulder going, okay, I'm here talking about Chuck. And I am learning something that hypothetically may be valuable about Jane. Let me make sure I listen in the next month or two or three or four and see whether or not Jane is, in fact, a systemic risk in some way. That's a separate thing from holding Chuck accountable for what Chuck didn't do. Yeah, but even three or four months later, after you've heard the same thing about Jane from Chuck, from Bob, from Sue, from Bill. Yeah. Once you've come to the conclusion that Jane is an issue, you're still not having that conversation about Jane with Chuck. Oh, brilliant. Yes, Everything of course. Everything we said yeah. still applies. Whenever you're having the conversation yeah. with Chuck about Jane's lateness, it all still applies. Right. And independently, now you're having a conversation. Now you're giving feedback to Jane about- About Jane. About Jane. Yeah. We yeah. talked to Jane about exactly. Jane. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Good aside there. Good. What if they're- relationship issues. I mean, a lot of folks, yeah. man, they want to delve down. Okay. Chuck and Jane are having a relationship issue. And so we want to play counselor here and jump in and try to solve that relationship. And yeah. man, it, it doesn't work very often, <laughs> but, but people try it all the time. So we, yeah. we probably need to talk about it. Look, bit. folks, if you're really good at relationships, you'll be Dr. Phil and you'll have a TV show and maybe you'll have us on your show one day because relationships exist in managerial situations as well. You can't fix relationships, folks, but you can encourage your directs to change their behavior toward one another, which is an absolutely reasonable managerial piece of guidance is to change their behavior. And there are some behaviors that are just always destructive to relationships, and there are some behaviors that are always constructive toward relationships. So, yeah, they've got relationships in it. Chuck and Jane don't like each other. It shows in poor work product when they have to rely on each other. It's this, folks, this is normal. It's reasonable. It's inevitable. What my dad says, the definition of conflict is two human beings in the same county, right? 
But look, before we go around trying to help Chuck and Jane get along, remember this. You will fail miserably, and it is not what you're paid for. The fact is, happy employees aren't necessarily more productive than normal employees. Now, follow me here. Happy, happy employees aren't necessarily more productive than normal employees. But productive folks are more happy than those who aren't productive. Okay, there are too many HR people. Again, I'm going to restate my my change in thinking over the last three years. We don't hate HR. We don't like bad HR, and there's a lot of bad HR. But good HR is to their feet are to be kissed on a regular basis. So bad HR says we need to make our people happy because I've seen that happy people are more productive. No, if your people are highly productive, they feel good and they describe themselves as happy. But the happiness comes out of the productivity. Productivity doesn't stem from happiness. Okay. Yeah, I call this the office rule. You're saying <laughs> the TV show The Office, right? I mean, yeah. there's no product, there's no productivity going on in that office. So, focus on pro productivity, folks, rather than on relationships. Focus on work product. There's nothing worse, almost nothing worse, than working on becoming a relationship expert, only to discover that you're not, you never will be, and even if you succeed mildly, you don't necessarily get better results from the Chucks and Janes of the world who now feel better about working together. We don't need our people to feel better about working together. And look, I'm not, we're not against them feeling better about each other. We don't believe you'd be as good at it as you will good at the job you're being paid to do, which is to, to encourage them to get good results out of their work, to behave about their deliverables. Stick with work. Your, your folks are adults. You don't need to ask them to get along. Certainly, you can say that. I'd like you all to get along, but I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time on it. You're asking them to do so won't increase the chances that they will, partially because you have power and they don't see your guidance to them about their relationships at a peer level as having much weight. Uh, you know, please, okay, just to be clear, we're not saying don't care about it. I care about everybody getting along in our company, right? We're just recommending you spend more time on work than on relationships. You have power and influence over the former, and frankly, about the latter, nobody's got any clue about anyway, so don't don't really bother. Uh, it's just, just a reminder, just a reminder, this is not a cast about fixing Chuck and Jane. They may end up getting fixed, and kudos to you but you're not going to be the one that fixes it simply because you believe you have what amounts to a, a school of hard knocks PhD in relationship management from bosses to subordinates. It's not going to work. Before we sum up, let me just, let me just mention folks, too many bosses think that a direct not owning the inputs is a reason to go hunting for relationship problems and to try to fix them. It's highly unlikely you're going to fix anybody else's relationships. Even if you do, what does it matter if the ineffective behaviors around deadlines and deliverables and work product continue? Focus on the behaviors you want. Deadlines met, tasks completed. Expect your directs to work on their relationships. And one of the most important lessons newer professionals can learn is that when they own the task, they own the inputs, and the feedback model is a great way to help them do this within the larger context of work. Good. I'm glad finally somebody said it. I mean, that's a great, that's a great rule. You own the task, you own the inputs and yep. you heard it here, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, that should be, you think we get some press about that, but no, not so much. 
so quick, quick wrap up, right? We give negative feedback about missing deadlines, even if we've been running around the tree for a while about Jane, right? We get some pushback and then we give negative feedback about owning the inputs. That's the, the lesson here. Um, we shared some phrases that may be helpful. Staying frosty the whole time, please. Be willing to use a shot across the bow. We're not going to beat them to death. Uh, you know, we don't need to engage in a, in a detailed description of why it went the way it did. You can walk away from it. They know that you know they relate. And then, of course, you know, pay attention to those who, who cause other people to be relate. I mean, if Jane is always the one being implicated, even though we focus on Chuck when we're with Chuck, it's good to know in the back of our mind, keep a tally going of those people who tend to let others down. It may be worthwhile looking into when you're with the Janes of the world. And then lastly, please remember, you're not going to fix people's relationships. Focus on work. Encourage change around work and relationships will improve. Awesome. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. Enjoyed it. We'll see you. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you all again back here next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.